Welcome back to The Inner Athlete. This is episode number 17. And today's episode, I'm going to be going through just a lot of questions. A lot of the top questions I get uh, about nutrition regarding whether it's performance nutrition, whether it's fat loss nutrition, uh, and just like some general things that I get asked a lot about that I felt like it'd be good to just put it out there in a podcast. Hopefully, maybe it'll answer a question that you might have had. Uh, and if there is a question that you didn't get answered on this episode that you want answered, please let me know. Reach out to me. Uh, find my information in the show notes for my email address, for my social media stuff. And uh, and I would love to connect and obviously get to hear what you're struggling with. So without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and jump right in because I got a lot of stuff to cover today. And the first topic that I want to start talking about is meal timing and frequency. One of the top questions I get is, how often do I have to eat or do I have to eat every two to three hours? You know, or the resistance to starting any plan is, well, I can't do this because I can't eat every two to three hours. Well, I'm going to put your mind at ease because right now what matters is not how many times a day you eat and or, you know, if you're eating every two to three hours, what really matters is how much overall intake you're taking in and is that in line with your goals? Now, with that being said, there are a couple of reasons why meal timing does matter but it's not as important as you think in terms of your overall fitness goals. So if you're somebody that's very busy and you don't have time to stop to eat while you're going, you know, about your day, or you prefer to be in a more relaxed state when you're eating, when you're eating, which I do recommend eating every two to three hours might not be ideal for you. However, knowing how many times a day you like to eat for your lifestyle is important. So maybe you're someone that eats breakfast and you have a light snack and then maybe you eat a later lunch and then maybe you have dinner, you know, like that might be something that you do, you know, the composition of those meals is going to vary from person to person. So what really matters when it comes to meal timing is finding a meal timing structure that works for you to space out your calories and your intake in a way that's going to leave you feeling the best, optimizing your performance in your life and in the gym and not allowing you to take in too many calories. What I find that happens with people that are in this mindset is they don't realize that eating every two to three hours is probably what they're already doing, but they're not thinking about what they're eating as actually quote unquote eating. So uh, what I mean by that is they might build in a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they realize they skipped lunch. However, they probably had a couple of bites and a coffee at a coffee shop at 11. And then maybe they snacked on or they grabbed something like a handful of nuts at three or four guys that's still eating. So it goes into that every two to three hours thing. In fact, if you're actually taking the time to build out your meals, you're going to recognize that a lot of times your meals are a lot smaller than you think. So those calories are considered meals, even though it doesn't, it's maybe not looking like a complete meal on a plate calories are what make up our food. So whether it's a big meal or not, it's still a meal. So you might already be eating every two to three hours and not even recognize it. Most people are. Most people are taking in nutrition more often than they think. And that's usually the limiting factor. I want you guys to even think about, um, and I even kind of put some notes about here is like uh, intermittent fasting protocols. So if, if we had to eat every two to three hours, why would people be successful on those protocols? Well, I know that it's not the intermittent fast and that's causing the success in their scale. It's the calorie control of not grazing throughout the day. So it's not so much about how often you eat. It's the overall calorie intake that you're taking in that matters. So hopefully that answered the question about the every two to three hour things. 
I do personally think that most people should be taking in nutrition every, at least every four hours, only because I think that at that point, blood sugar starts to kind of drop. And I do think that some people will start to, um, their non-exercise activity will start to slow down. So they'll get a little tired, a little sluggish. They probably won't be moving as much. Um, and so I think that that could actually help increase calorie burn throughout the day if you do increase the number or the frequency of your meals to ensure blood sugar staying regular. But aside from that, has no actual real benefit to your metabolism. Adding on to the every two to three hour or nutrition timing thing is I get a question about what should I be eating pre and post workout or should I be eating anything intra workout? Well, here's the first thing is you have to think about your goals. Like what are your goals? If you're in a calorie deficit, your your main goal is fat loss and and you're trying to space out your food, your meal timing around your workouts does matter, especially as you go lower into a calorie deficit and you have less body fat because you want to make sure that you're prioritizing feeling good and energetic in that workout. Now, this goes where, where it's going to go into the it depends answer is everybody feels a little bit different. So, and, and depending on what kind of training you do, that's going to matter. So uh, for instance, you know, somebody like me, I don't personally love to eat something big uh, before I'm going to do like a cardio session. And I also know that like, I don't need a lot of that like central nervous system recruitment to go do those kinds of things. However, when I'm getting ready to go snatch, clean and jerk, lift, like I have to feel satisfied. Um, some people don't like eating before they work out because they don't like the way it feels in their belly. Others need to feel like they have that food in their belly to feel strong. What I will tell you is this, is that digestion does pull energy because your body requires energy to digest food. So you want to make sure that if you are eating in that pre-workout phase, that it's something that's easily digested so that the energy becomes readily available and your body's not trying to digest food while you're also trying to do um, workouts or movements that require a lot of energy. So that's number one. Now, post-workout, I do think really matters. And it doesn't matter in the fact that like, oh, if I'm not getting calories in the post-workout window, uh, you know, I'm going to be like wasting my gains. And, you know, there is some merit to, yes, taking in nutrition post-workout is really good, especially if it's carbs and protein, because it's going to restore glycogen source quickly. It's going to make sure proteins are being shuttled to your muscles. Definitely want to make sure that those two are taken in within um, together. And I can do a whole podcast on pre and post-workout nutrition. But what I want you to know is that oftentimes when somebody's not eating in that post-workout window, oftentimes later on, they're going to get really, really, really hungry or their energy levels might drop a ton. And this is really true for those of you guys that do do like endurance training and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of times people aren't very hungry after they do that stuff and then, or even CrossFit. And then all of a sudden, like two hours later, they feel like crap. And, and then later on that night, they're starving. So I definitely think that regardless if people are hungry or not, that they should be taking in something post-workout. If you are an athlete and you're doing multiple sessions a day, that post-workout window does matter. You need to make sure you're, flood you're flooding your body with some nutrition. At the end of the day, at that point, your goal is optimizing things. So, you know, you shouldn't be looking at cutting back. You should be looking at fueling your body. When you're in that fat loss phase, it might be a little bit different. A uh, couple of questions I get kind of adding on to the post and pre-work or pre and post workout is what about if I train first thing in the morning? I don't want to eat at four or four at four thirty in the morning. 
and I take the 5.30 a.m. class. Uh, and that's, once again, a case-by-case basis. If you feel good um, in like a fasted state, that's totally fine. Um, I just wouldn't recommend, honestly, if your goals are like performance-based, um, thinking that you have to not have something. But what I would recommend is something, once again, very easily digested. So this is where like cyclic dextrin um, or something like ignition with a little bit of protein, uh, something like that. And I'll put the link to that in my show notes as well, where you're getting in like a quick carbohydrate drink where it's going to just kind of be just kind of topping off the fuel sources, make sure that there's fuel available for you. Uh, it might not be necessary, but once again, you're covering the bases. Now, once again, if you are on the opposite and you are, you know, in that fat loss phase, maybe you don't want to waste your calories in that pre-workout window when you're not really hungry and, you know, you're going to eat something right afterwards. So as long as you're getting that post-workout in, it's fine. The only caveat to that I will say is if your session is going longer than an hour, so if you're someone that goes into the gym at five o'clock in the morning and you're doing an aerobic session and then you're doing some lifting and then you're doing some CrossFit, like, and you're getting this big session in, you probably should be taking in some intro workout fuel, whether it be once again, uh, like a carb protein mix, like the ignition and some formula one protein or something comparable to that would be great. Or some other type of an intro workout, uh, intro workout drink. I will say that this is where we can talk about supplementation. Uh, EAAs or essential amino acids and some creatine or some beta alanine can also be really good just to kind of obviously make sure that you're covering all the bases uh, in that fasted state. So hopefully that helps you guys out a little bit on that pre and post workout. Uh, Another question I get about meal timing is what about breakfast? Do I have to eat breakfast? I'm not hungry in the morning and I just, I don't like to eat. Well, first of all, what is breakfast? Breakfast is a break in your fast. So everybody's breakfast time might not be the same, but everybody does have breakfast. It doesn't have to be at seven o'clock in the morning. If you don't eat breakfast at seven o'clock in the morning and you wait until nine or 10 when you're at the office, that's totally fine. Once again, this goes back to the do I have to eat every two to three hours question is overall meal, um, sorry, overall calorie intake is what matters. However, if you're skipping breakfast, a lot of times people will be more hungry later on in the day. Now, I will say for myself, when I used to coach CrossFit classes at five o'clock in the morning, I didn't want to get up at four o'clock in the morning to eat breakfast, go coach five o'clock, and then have a day where I was out and about until eight o'clock at night. I felt like I would run out of food. So oftentimes I would do a little bit of a wait. I would wait. I'd hold off my breakfast until about, you know, after I finished coaching the five and 6 a.m., eat it around 730. That just saved some calories for later on. That was all it did. It didn't didn't necessarily make or break my day. So it just kind of allowed me to get through that day a little bit longer, spaced out my food a little bit more. So it was more about meal spacing than anything, but you don't have to eat breakfast. You're not going to slow down your metabolism by not eating breakfast. That's a myth. So um, just hopefully that'll help you guys out with that. What about eating before bed on the opposite, right? We don't like to eat in the morning, um, but I usually get hungry before bed and I don't like to eat before bed either. Well, at the end of the day, this, this all makes, this all is kind of the same thing, right? Overall calorie intake matters and spacing that out matters. So if you like to eat a snack before bed, eat a snack before bed. And in fact, I often will recommend for a lot of people that have trouble sleeping that they do look at that pre-bed routine. So some people have a hard time with what they eat before bed and the digestion aspect of that can keep them up or make them wake up in the middle of the night. Whereas others, I feel that sometimes having a little snack before bed can actually help them sleep a little bit better. 
So I personally, I do eat something before bed and there has been a lot of studies shown about having a nice, like a snack with like some protein carbs and fat and a comp and like a small amount, um, can help keep blood sugar regulated throughout the night. And at the end of the day, remind yourself that while you're sleeping, your body is very active. It's doing things that you don't have any control over. Whereas during the day we have control over our actions. So all of the processes that happen when we are at, we are at rest or when we're sleeping are the things that our body can't really do while we're moving around throughout the day. So don't think that eating before bed is going to cause weight gain. Now what might happen is if you are somebody that doesn't usually eat before bed and you eat before bed, you might see an artificial rise in the scale the next morning just for having more food volume in later in the day. Vice versa, if you don't eat before bed and you usually eat before bed, you might see the scale go down in the morning from not having the food in there. Has no relation to you losing or gaining weight. The other question or the other response I'll get on this is, um, well, when I cut out eating at night, I tend to lose weight. What I will tell you is this is where it goes into correlation versus causation. So the correlation is eating before bed and I lose weight or cutting out eating before bed and losing weight. When in reality, the cause wasn't the time of day you're eating. It was probably the calories you're eating. So a lot of times when you cut out a snack, you're cutting out calories. So if this person told me I've been eating the exact same amount of calories and I cut out nighttime eating and lost weight, that'd be different. But chances are it has nothing to do with the time of day and the actual overall calorie intake that that person has changed that caused the weight loss. All right, kind of moving on, shifting gears from the timing stuff into like calories and macros, which kind of just piggybacks onto all of that, right? Because as you're hearing, most of the things I talked about is that overall calorie balance matters for your goals. Uh, And when fat loss isn't the goal, then optimizing your body's ability to perform in the gym and outside of the gym is what should be taking precedence. So don't stress so much about the calories in that place. But a lot of the things I like to, I want to troubleshoot is, is kind of the things that go along with calorie intake. The first one is one of the things I'll get is I eat really clean, but I just can't seem to lose weight. So this is the person that's like, maybe they're like, this was me years ago. Um, I'm eating paleo, but I'm gaining weight, you know, which paleo, if you don't know, is a very minimally processed, no grains, no dairy, no beans, legumes, literally all plant-based foods or lean proteins, healthy fats that come naturally from the ground. So Think like eating like a caveman. So why would these people that are eating so clean not be losing any weight? Well, it goes back to calorie balance. So the first thing that I'll have people like that do is let's take an account of how much you're eating. So if you're eating clean, let's go ahead and take a look at the calorie balance of that. So for instance, an avocado, um, a whole avocado probably has about 150 to 200 calories. However, it's a very healthy food, right? But if I'm overeating things like avocado, nuts, oils, butters, I'm getting in too many calories. So that's number one. The other reason why a person who is eating clean, maybe they started to lose weight, but then they stalled, might be having a stall is that their metabolism might have adapted. So this this one would reign more true to people that maybe you have a considerable amount of weight to lose. Maybe you are um, really changing a lot of lifestyle habits and Think of it like this. Maybe you were eating um, takeout all the time, uh, drinking some soda, you know, drinking sugary coffee drinks. And then you're like, you know what? Like, I'm going to clean up my diet. And 
you cut all that crap out and you're like, I'm just going to eat like lean proteins, healthy carbs and, and veggies. So initially you're going to see a huge drop in the scale from all of the, the loss of sodium, uh, water retention, carb water retention, uh, probably a little bit of digestion, uh, kind of getting moving a little bit smoother, if you know what I mean. All of that stuff happens and all of a sudden you stall out. Basically what's happened is your metabolism has adapted to the changes that you made. So the initial shock of calorie drop is gone and now your metabolism is adapted to whatever your new norm is. And now, once again, let's take an account of what you're eating to see if we need to change something. So do we need to lower calories from there? Do we need to higher calories up and then bring them back down? So that's where calories and macronutrients can start to play into a factor. So the next question, do I need to count calories? Well, it depends on what part of your fitness journey you're on. In the beginning, you know, the the barrier of entry should be small, just getting a little bit of a buy-in. So if you're coming from a place of eating whatever you want, yeah, starting by cleaning up your food quality should be most important. But at some point, you're probably going to have to start to dive in the quantity of that in some way, shape, or form, whether it's estimation, an eyeballing method, or it's actually counting calories and seeing from there. It really depends on the person's personality and what they're willing to work on or what they're willing to take on, I should say, with their current lifestyle. So calories do play a factor. And I will say this, the person that goes in from the beginning, food quality and quantity is going to see the fastest results because they're obviously they're they're taking control of both aspects of things and they're able to really control things like biofeedback aka how they're feeling throughout the day um making sure that their energy levels are staying up and they're optimizing their ability, uh, body's ability to perform in life and in the gym and uh kind of preventing some of that metabolic adaptation i just also know that sometimes that can be a lot for people to take on what about counting macros well first and foremost what is a macro macronutrient macro is a protein, carb, and a fat. So all of our calories have macronutrients. So if you're eating macros, you're eating calories. So protein has four calories per gram, carbs have four calories per gram, fat has nine calories per gram, and all of our food has macronutrients. So obviously keeping it basic, you know, your protein's coming from lean proteins like chicken, fish, um, shrimp, things like that, uh, turkey, and then your higher fat proteins coming from things like red meat, some pork, uh, fatty fish and stuff like that. Your carbs coming from things like, you know, obviously rice, pasta, but also things like vegetables and fruits. And in also some quantities, uh, things like our dairy products, like yogurt and uh, milk, which also have some protein in them. And then you've got your fats, which are obviously going to be found in some of our protein and dairy sources, but also in things like nuts, seeds, oils, avocado, coconut, uh, also fattier things like bacon and sausage, right? So do you need to count macros? Well, firstly, you should be counting calories. Secondly, um, the next step is making sure that you're getting in enough protein because that's the most important macronutrient. The other two carbs and fats are going to become um, adjusted based on lifestyle, uh, based on food preferences, and obviously in some factor, in some cases based on uh, your health. So some people can have some metabolic dysfunction, and maybe they can't tolerate carbs as much. So we have to do some repair there to get them to be able to tolerate carbs better. Uh, but when it comes to, do you have to count macros? In the beginning, you probably don't. And if you have more than 20 pounds to lose, you probably don't have to be spot on. However, I will tell you that keeping a good macronutrient balance is going to keep energy levels 
regulated and it's going to actually make you probably more compliant with your nutrition because you won't be missing any specific food groups and ensure that you are getting enough of everything. So I would say you don't have to, but it will probably optimize your body's ability to be compliant with your nutrition plan. Now, people that are performance athletes, you're getting closer to your goal weight, things like that. That is when macronutrients do play a factor, especially if you are trying to get super shredded because you need to make sure that you're getting in enough carbohydrates to fuel your training. Um, and obviously watching fat intake, making sure we're looking at things like hormone function and stuff to keep you keep your body feeling good. So it just really depends on what part of your fitness journey you're on for the calories and the macros. Uh, kind of adding on to these going into macro stuff is um, I struggle with getting in enough protein. That's a huge uh, issue with females in particular. Um, and, and first things first, I want you to make sure that are you sure you're actually struggling to get into enough protein in enough protein? Because some people don't even realize how much protein they're probably taking in. So bottom line is every meal should start with a protein. So every meal should have some source of protein, whether it's plant-based or not, you should be looking to get protein from some source. The next thing would be vegetables as well, which is also going to have some protein. So if people are really struggling with getting, getting in their protein and they're overdoing calories, that's when food quality probably needs to go get cleaned up. It probably means that they're reaching for a lot of carby snacks and stuff. And if they're not hungry and that's why they can't eat protein, they're eating the wrong things. So whenever people are having a hard time eating, getting their protein, the biggest thing for me is like, stop worrying about the other nutrients, just focus on your protein. Like that should be the first thing you reach for every time you eat. And once you start doing that, it'll get a lot easier for you to do that. So, you know, for instance, a snack versus starting with like, I'm going to have some fruit. It's like, I'm going to have some yogurt and I'm going to have some fruit with it. You know, starting with a uh, breakfast, it's like I'm going to have some eggs and then I'm going to have some oats with it. Or I'm going to um, use my protein powder in a smoothie or I'm going to put it in my oatmeal or whatever it might be. So like, where's your main source of protein from at all of your meals would be the first place to start. Uh, one of the other questions I use often get is like, where do I get my carb sources from? Like, what are the, the best carb sources? Uh, and the next, you know, that kind of segues into like people that are like afraid to eat carbs. All carbs are good. All carbs are bad. All carbs are carbs. There's no good carb. There's no bad carb is basically what I'm trying to say. What I will tell you is this, is that some carbohydrates are also going to be sources of other nutrients, AKA fat. So like tortilla chips are going to be more carbs and fat, you know? So whenever you're thinking of where should I get my sources of carbs from, what I like to tell people is that they should be primarily a carb source. That's how you know you're probably picking the right thing. If you're getting something that has a little bit of everything, it's probably going to be more of a, a mixed food group that's probably something you should be eating in more moderation. So like I said, tortilla chips would be a good example of that. Cookies and stuff like that. So your main carbs should be coming from things like rice, sweet potato, red potatoes, fruits, um, whole grains, all of those things. Those are going to make your body feel good. So um, you know, I, I know that there are some people out there that are gluten sensitive and, and that is obviously a reason why you would want to eliminate it. But when it comes to that stuff, if your body is tolerating things, you know, you should be incorporating them in, in balance, in moderation on all of your plates. And then obviously with working with a nutrition coach or doing it on your own, if you're not seeing results, then you can start pulling things away. But every meal should have a source of all nutrients. Um, this is going to kind of get a little bit more scientific in terms of those of you guys that have been counting macros 
is what about things like net carbs? I get this a lot, uh, especially if you're doing the scan method on products that are made with sugar alcohols is for instance, like a quest bar is going to say only two grams of net carbs. But if you look at the package, I think there's like 19 carbs in it. You should be counting all carbs. Essentially what net carbs do is they take out the fiber and the sugar alcohols and what you're left with is the actual carbohydrates. But in reality, we can't control how much of the fiber and the sugar alcohols our body is going to digest. So it's, it's kind of like one of those things you're better safe than sorry. Log everything knowing that some, but we don't know how much of that is not going to be digested. So in fact, eating some of those products are probably going to help your weight loss journey a little bit more because chances are you're probably getting a little bit less carbs than you think as long as you're counting all carbs. So always make sure you're counting all carbs. Oh, that was a lot. Calories and macros. So the next kind of topic that I wanted to talk about is what about cheat days? Do I get a cheat day? Should I have a cheat day? Are my cheat days messing me up? That kind of topic is next. And at the end of the day, first and foremost, you should never be thinking of yourself as cheating on anything unless you're cheating on your significant other um, or a test. But when it comes to food, there's no cheating. Like you can have a counter full of food and it's all food. It doesn't, there's not like bad or good. All those foods though are going to have different responses in your body. Okay. So like some are going to be filling your body with nutrients. Others are going to be filling your soul with good feelings, right? Like, so that's part of understanding the the macro and the calorie side of things is understanding what you're looking to achieve with your nutrition is nourishment. So you want to feel satisfied. You want to feel good. Um, and obviously you also want to be able to enjoy some time away from just thinking about nourishment and kind of being able to enjoy the experience with friends and family. But when it comes to cheat days, I don't like thinking of things like cheat days. Instead, what will often happen is, well, first and foremost, a person should be eating the same amount of calories in the beginning every day. The only way that's going to change is basically based on that person's lifestyle, uh, sometimes with um, metabolic adaptation uh, or even compliance, I might change up the strategy to help ensure compliance. But when it comes to a cheat day, I don't think cheat days work well. In fact, I actually they trigger bad behaviors and uh, unhealthy relationships with food because it ends up being like, how much can I fit in in this meal? And and yes, a cheat meal or a cheat day can really f up your progress. So if you're eating 1,600 calories uh, to be in a calorie deficit, okay. Um, and I know that that's going to put you in a deficit. That's going to probably, you know, hopefully if everything goes well, give you about a one to one and a half pound loss. And so if I did 1600 times, I'm going to do this math right now with you guys, 1600 times seven. So there's seven days in the week. Okay. That means that over the course of the week, you've eaten 11,200 calories. Now, if that one day you have an extra 2000 calories, that's going to add another 2000 calories. So that's going to bring your calorie total for the week up to 30 or 13,000. Now I know we need a 3,500 calorie deficit to lose one pound. So that extra 2000 calories could be screwing you up on that deficit. So yes, it could. It really depends on, you know, what part of your journey you're at and, and how bad that cheat meal is. So if your quote unquote cheat meal is like, I just had a slice of pizza, that's different than if you went and crushed a whole pizza and a pint of beer. 
So that's why I don't like to program cheat days. What I'll usually will give people is like either um, a number of calories to hit for a special occasion if they're really dialed in um, or, you know, giving them a focus point for that day that would hopefully help them keep things somewhat dialed in. So hopefully that answered your question about cheat days. Um, you know, they definitely, I, I want to change the name cheat day to a diet break in some aspect and tell you that there's, it's a physical break. So meaning like physically, sometimes your body needs one. So if you've been in a calorie deficit for a while, I'll build in a higher calorie day to give your body a physiological break, but also mentally too. Um, and this is where maybe not tracking, if you are a tracker might be important is if you've been hitting numbers every day and you're just need a break from like thinking about specifics, having a mental aspect of a break from that is, is so important. And if you've been, if you're in that place, it means you've probably been doing it for a while to where eyeballing things and knowing portion sizes is probably very easy for you. So you really shouldn't be needing one of these in your first month to two months of your journey. It's crazy because it's kind of almost segues into my next question I'll get is like, I can't stop eating blank, whatever that food is. And chances are, this is usually something that on that cheat day, you know, you really want. And you're either telling yourself you're going to resist it and you're going to have too much of it later on, or you're going to have it and you're going to have too much of it anyways. So usually why people tend to have this, I can't stop eating is there's two main reasons I find that this happens is one is too much restriction. So, you know, that person's probably been avoiding that food for a long time. Uh, or it could also be nutrition deficiencies, not just from a micronutrient perspective, like not getting in enough vitamins and minerals, but from a macronutrient perspective perspective. So if a person has been chronically under eating carbohydrates and protein, and all of a sudden it's a Saturday and they're starving and they're like, just looking for something, they might be craving foods that have those things in them, but they're looking for them in more density, you know, so, or even carbs and fats, like those types of things in particular are usually what it is. So if you're getting in and also not even just specific macros, but if you've been dieting for a while and really restricted, not even getting in enough calories and it is a deficiency in itself, right? De deficit, deficiency, very similar words, right? So I think de deficiency might be a derivative of deficit. I didn't go Google that right now, but I probably could and find that it does have some relation, right? So if you've been under eating for a long time, it's going to cause your body to want to overeat, especially those foods you've been avoiding. And what I always will remind people is that at the end of the day, the human body is the unbelievably, it's the smartest invention ever created. It is the smartest thing ever made. And we are always trying to outsmart the body when we're trying to diet or lose weight. So what I want you guys to understand from that is that before there was food available everywhere and we had to hunt for food and gather things, we would go long periods of time without food. And then we would hunt and we would get something and we'd have to eat a lot because we don't know when it's going to happen again. That is still something that is deep ingrained in our bodies and in our, in our physiology, in our mental capacity. So the more you restrict something, the more you're going to want it. It's just human nature. If you've been deprived of something, your body's going to want it. And if you haven't had it in a while, it's going to say, hey, I haven't had this in a while. Probably not going to have it again for a long time. And maybe you've even said that to yourself. That's not all mental. That's not all you needing to beat yourself up. That's partly part of our makeup. So the more you feed yourself things though, the less you're going to feel restricted. So I kind of recommend people, 
and it, it's got to be coached, right? Because some people don't have any any level of self-control, but learning to practice some self-control in the beginning and allowing a little bit of those things as part of a, a nutritious meal is going to help you eat them in more moderation. So a good example would be if you're like somebody that can't just eat three Oreos, um, you end up eating the whole box or the whole sleeve. Maybe you're somebody that like has to have dinner and right after dinner, you're having Greek yogurt and three Oreos. So you're having like a little bit as an addition to not having it in a, a separate entity where you're going to want more of it. You get the taste with a little bit more of food volume. All right. So that answers questions about diet breaks, cheating. I'm eating too much. Um, so next one I have on here is what about artificial sweeteners? Uh, and this one is a huge one. And it kind of goes back to the net carbs uh, that I answered a little bit earlier is artificial sweeteners can be, well, why were they created? Obviously, right? So one is they were created obviously for people that had, you know, sugar, blood sugar issues as a way for them to still be able to eat sweet things and not have it wreck their blood sugar. But also like in the dieters world and in the, obviously the fat loss world is they were created to obviously um, there's no calories in them or there's very minimal calories. So we can get that sweet taste without the calories. I, I do use artificial sweeteners. I don't use them all the time, but I, I would rather put an artificial sweetener in my coffee than put sugar in my coffee because I'd rather save those carbs for something, you know, different later on or something with more nutrients in it, like oatmeal. So I do use some artificial sweeteners because I like to sweeten things, but I don't want to put the calories uh, in the sweetener, if that makes sense. Now, when it comes to their overall safety and health, this is, it's, and I don't have the actual study in front of me, but, and I, and I think I actually maybe have even mentioned this in the previous podcast is they've done studies on, on a lot of the artificial sweeteners and a lot of them have been around for a long time. When it comes to the actual safety of them, the amount of artificial sweeteners that you would have to take in for it to be toxic is almost, it's almost impossible you know, and they do a lot of testing uh, on on these types of things on rats because even though we have very different physiology, a lot of our processes of a rat are very similar. And one of the studies they did, I forget the equal the equivalent, but it would have been like drinking twelve diet sodas a day for like six months before it even became minimally toxic. So nobody's drinking that much soda. So at the end of the day, if you're having a little bit of, you know, Splenda in your coffee, you're putting some sugar-free syrup in your oatmeal, you know, you're adding, you know, whatever you're doing, those little things, not going to make that big of an issue in terms of that. Now, what I will say is that some artificial sweeteners can cause some digestive issues and some people don't tolerate them well. Some people that have food intolerances, um, and I can go into a whole nother podcast and like FODMAP diets can find that they have a really hard time with them and it could actually be causing things like bloating and GI distress, and maybe some other symptoms. So you have to kind of, once again, depends, it's a, it's a, it's a, it depends situation where you have to kind of test things on yourself to see if it is actually something that you can tolerate. But as far as safety, I say, if you enjoy them, it's going to be very difficult for you to overdo it. And in fact, if you are trying to lose weight and maybe you are in a calorie deficit, they can kind of be your saving grace because if you are craving something sweet, having something with sweetness in it without calories is a blessing in disguise, right? Actually a blessing, not in disguise, because it's not disguised. <laughs> um, 
Next question I'll get is kind of segueing into supplementation. Um, and I'm going to keep this one very basic. I feel like I'm going to probably do a podcast op- episode on supplements alone. Uh, but there's there's three basic supplements that I will usually look at when I'm starting up a new client. And this is for everybody. One, are you on a good quality multivitamin? I know that there's been people are like, oh, well, I don't want to overdo it. You know, if you're taking a multivitamin, you're getting too much. At the end, At the end of the day, because we have a mental aspect of the foods we eat, aka we have a taste preference for things, we aren't going to be getting all the nutrients our body needs. So getting too much of something, for the most part, from a multivitamin, you're going to just pee it out. And if you're getting it from a whole food source, that's even better. So I do recommend a good quality multivitamin, preferably from whole food sources. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the one that I take myself. On top of that, if you don't do a lot of greens, so which is another thing, people just don't get enough vegetables in. Maybe you're very busy, you don't have a lot of time, um, or you just don't really enjoy them. I will always push for more veggies, but sometimes I have to like lose a fight, lose a battle that I'm fighting. And getting in a good greens powder can be a great supplementation for that. And then obviously, lastly, is going to be whey protein because a lot of people do going back to the protein question have a hard time getting in enough protein. So you probably don't need it every day, but it's a good thing to have on hand to add to foods to kind of help bump up the protein intake. I can go into more specifics, um, but I'm going to keep it at there because I, like I said, I'm probably going to record a whole podcast and things like athlete specific, fat loss specific, um, even hormone specific things that we can kind of start to dive into because it's a very much case by case um, basis. So if you have specific questions about supplements that you're taking, shoot me a message because I can probably answer it for you quickly. And then the last topic that I kind of wanted to talk about as I close out is, is this whole thing about metabolism. And I have a whole podcast on metabolism. So I'm going to just kind of troubleshoot this pretty quickly today is do I have a sluggish metabolism or I can't lose weight because of my metabolism. And here's what I'm going to tell you is you can lose weight and your metabolism might be sluggish. So maybe losing weight shouldn't be your focus. Maybe getting your metabolism fired up should be your focus. And I think that a lot of people try and put the excuse of like, oh, I'm getting too old or, oh, my hormones are messed up or, oh, this or that. And a lot of times if you work on fixing your nutrition, well, let me take a step back because yes, those are true statements that all of those things are going to affect your metabolism, but we can repair metabolic function by looking at lifestyle. So if you're not eating enough, your metabolism is going to slow down because it's literally trying to regulate to whatever amount of food you have available. So if you have less energy available, it's going to start to slow processes down. It's not starvation mode. It's just the natural habit of, or the natural reaction of not having enough calories available. Aging doesn't necessarily affect your metabolism. However, as, as we age, our lifestyles tend to change. We become less active. Maybe we are getting tired a little bit earlier. Um, maybe we aren't working out like we used to, maybe we're not, you know, chasing kids around anymore. Those things are going to cause your non-exercise activity to slow down. So that can be causing you to burn less calories throughout the day. Those two things, and then hormones. So if your hormones are out of whack, if you're, if you're dealing with, you know, big fluctuations there, that is going to cause metabolic, you know, issues. However, hormone imbalances could also be a cause of nutrition imbalances or nutrition deficiencies. So 
first and foremost, if you think you have a sluggish metabolism, it shouldn't be, oh, it's a nail in the coffin. I can't lose weight. It's, well, why do I have a sluggish metabolism? And it's not what you think it is. It's not, oh, I'm aging or, oh, it's my hormones. It's, okay, those things, there's something else going on that are causing the metabolism to slow down because of those things. So am I moving less as I age? So maybe I just need to start moving a little bit more, go for a couple more walks. Are my hormones in balance? Maybe I need to work on some hormone repair. Maybe I need to look at my food quality. Maybe I need to look at what I'm taking in, how much sleep I'm getting, how much stress I'm having in my day. And those things being addressed is probably going to increase your body's metabolic burn. So, or your calorie burn. So the whole aging is causing me to, to slow down or hormones are causing me to slow down. There is yes to that, but there's also a yes to the solution and how you can do it and actually fix things without just putting yourself with this like feeling of I'm never going to be able to lose this weight, if that makes sense. Oh man, other things that can affect your metabolism though, are even things like your dieting history. So, I, I mean, I just started to think about that. Like if you've been somebody that's been chronically dieting throughout your whole life, your, your body is getting signals that like, Hey, like this and quote unquote, this woman cray cray, or this man's cray cray, like always up and down with the energy. Like I need to make sure I conserve every bit I can, because I don't know what's going to happen next. You're giving your body those signals. You know, and the other one is like overall body composition. So if you don't have a lot of muscle mass, not saying that you want to be like the Hulk if you're a female, but if you are not strength training, you're not building muscle, you're not doing anything that's going to promote muscle growth or even muscle, you know, uh, maintenance, um, you know, yeah, your metabolism isn't going to be working as well. So muscle is expensive to run. You want to burn more calories, build more muscle. So hopefully that answered a little bit of your question on the metabolism. I know I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent on that one because there's so many things to unpack. So if you haven't listened to my podcast episode on metabolism, I would highly recommend listening to that one as well. And I'll put the link to that one in my show notes. So this one got a little bit long because I had a lot of questions to troubleshoot, but I feel like I got somewhere. Hopefully I answered some of your questions. And like I said, if you have other questions, please feel free to shoot them over to me. I would love to be able to do this more often, just kind of free flow uh, free form style and, uh, obviously bring more value to you guys. So let me know what you need. Um, other than that, enjoy your day, enjoy your week. Looking forward to talking next week.